And we're live. Welcome to the Fireside Freedom Podcast, the podcast that you should be listening to. Well, you are, but everybody who wants more freedom in their life should be listening to. And tonight we've got me, of course, Toolman Tim, Hawkins, and Letty. And we're talking about personal finance. Everybody's favorite subject, I think. <laughs> How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Go ahead, Tim. Doing all right. Go around the horn there. <laughs> oh, there we go. Real good. Yeah. Awesome. Favorite. Awesome. What are, what are we drinking tonight? Let's start with that. I've got some water with uh, some like vitamin C powder stuff that my wife buys mixed in with it. So a little something special for later. Oh, nice. I got coffee that says, what am I doing? Go to bed. It's a little late in the day for that. Hawkins. Uh, cherries from the Tennessee moonshine place. And then a glass of Guinness. Nice. <laughs> Never know. Nice. <laughs> Guinness is good. I've got high quality Berkey water in here. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Hey, in this, in the spirit of the personal finance thing, I, I had to ask this question. If you were given the opportunity to work for a million dollars or to receive one penny doubled every day for 30 days, which would you choose? I remember that question from elementary school. <laughs> That's always a fun one, but a person would think the million dollars, but it's mm -hmm. the pennies. I know, right? It's well, crazy. I'll just go ahead and throw this out. You'd end up with over $5 million if you took the penny doubled for 30 days. It's kind of mind-blowing. I, When I saw that, I was like, okay, give me my penny and double it every day. <laughs> I think you could probably sell people on that. But yeah, so, I think it's a fact that it's a penny that freaks people out. Yeah. It, it, it really messes with you. Cause it's just a, you know, a million dollars versus a penny. And, and it's like a massive difference. It's not even a percentage of a percentage and yeah, it, it messes with your head for sure. But how much inflation are we going to have over that 30 days? So maybe a million dollars <laughs> up front might be good. We don't know but, these days what might happen. Look at all the lotto winners who win the millions of dollars and they're broke within a year or two. Whereas if you slowly increase it, you're getting used to having that extra money, but you're not going to blow it all at once. Mm. Yeah, that's that, that's good. I, I think I could I think I could uh, be the one who doesn't blow it all at once, though. I'd like to give it a shot anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's jump right into some of the questions that that we've got for for y'all how important is and we talk a lot about preparedness but how important is your finances your personal finances to preparedness we'll start with tim well it's one of those i, I know everybody everybody has their pet topic in preparedness that everyone says Oh, that's the thing that everybody overlooks. But, you know, because the whole prepper mindset is, well, you know, I'll rack up my credit cards. I'll take out all the debt I need because when the zombies come, I won't need a credit rating. Or when the world ends, I, the paper money I got in my bank account or whatever it is won't mean anything. And that's bullshit. There, we'll start already. But, you know, because what, what do you say? You know, you got to live for now. And, you know, any theoretical future, right? So we live in a world where credit ratings mean something, money means something, you know, and if you want the whole credit rating thing, you know, I mean, that that's a whole, that 
that, that's a whole other kettle of fish there. But as far as when you're in preparedness, the best thing you can do or the, the, the most prudent thing to do is to prepare for everyday regular life. And that's to look after your finances, look after your health, look after your defense and all of that. And to take the mindset that, ah, you know what, I'll spend it all on guns and ammo now. And when the banks crash or whatever, yeah, no, that to me, I, I know I've heard it so many times and I'll, I'll be honest, there's probably a couple of times in the past when I was a new prepper that I probably thought, hey, yeah, maybe that's what I'll do, but it certainly doesn't make sense. Yeah, Lenny, why don't you jump in on that? Hawkins just stepped out. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> How important is, is it in your uh, in your preparedness? It's definitely at the top. Um, I mean, I can't do anything to be prepared if I don't have any money whatsoever. Uh, I've been a subscriber to, if I don't have cash for something, I don't buy it. I've never had credit cards. I mean, when we went to uh, get our mortgage, I had a zero credit rating because of no credit cards. Turn around, rub your back. Um, so yeah, it's, and it for, like for us, okay, go sit down kiddo. <laughs> so for us, it's one of those that we did, we wanted a chest freezer and we just been putting it off, putting it off. Cause we were trying to figure out what we needed to do at home. Like what, what products need to get done. And it's not like we didn't have the money cause we've got enough saved up. So we, if my husband loses his job, we can take care of our mortgage payments and everything else for close to a year. <laughs> um, Dave Ramsey followers here, FPU graduates. So, <laughs> but if, if we didn't have that, I mean, I would, I personally wouldn't be comfortable having the preps that we have. And I know like from the women that I talked to, we want to make sure we got that money side of things taken care of along with the preps because the preps without the money just, it gets us all nervous and we're like, guys, what, what are you doing? Come on. Yeah. That's so true. I'll, I'll, uh, I can second that for sure. Um, Hawkins, do you have anything on that? Yeah. Uh, with me, it, it, it falls hand in hand really. Cause being prepared is being prepared in every aspect financially being one of them because financially, you know, having that, rainy day fund or whatever it can solve so many things you need for being prepared even uh you know and if you have all these you know i know people that have probably twenty thirty thousand dollars in guns but they might not you know but they might be like hey man can i borrow 20 bucks and it's like okay and you know the or the i'll go and take it from somewhere else those kind of people when the zombie apocalypse happens it's like no uh let's like like tim was saying you gotta prepare for every and what you can't help part of being prepared is helping others. And you, it's hard to help others when you don't have yourself stable. Like Buddy was saying, you know, having that ability to make those payments because now you're not having to depend on other people. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's one of the key things. And honestly, since I started being getting prepared, my financial, you know, system or whatever has gotten so much better. And, you know, that's, they went hand in hand. You know, I can't go buy $500 worth of food when I only have $500 left in my name. Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's true um it's it it is easy to you know buy all the food buy all the guns and ammo and and then you've got to go borrow 20 bucks just to you know go out for the weekend or to, to buy a drink or something like that but you know at some point you know for myself i like to have a bit of an emergency fund built up which has had to be used 
because of some emergencies recently. So I'm working on mm -hmm. building that back up again, but that's, that's the point of having it. But at what point do you, you know, some people like to like to s store stacks of cash and with inflation, the way it is, days, <laughs> what's the best way? How, how do y'all mitigate that factor in there? I mean, do you, do you store keep, you know, like a month or three months, easily accessible or or do you not worry about that at all throw it over to you tim <laughs> felt like the brady bunch there for a minute with hawkins looking <laughs> up at me so yeah. um i like no matter what having cash on hand is something <laughs> now ladies get me going yeah no matter what like i mean even if inflation's 20 percent this year you know what i mean like you still got to have cash on hand mm -hmm. it's just the thing you know i we'll talk about precious metals afterwards i you know but i as for like an emergency fund i depending on how big you want to go i mean it, i know we'll talk about that a little bit too but if you can't access it it's pretty hard to deal with it in an emergency right so you got to have some cash i don't know like i you know at one time we used to keep just well, I, I call them brown bills you know hundred dollar bills up here in canada like because it's easy to store you know and then all of a sudden, a lot of the places around here started putting up signs that they weren't taking 50s or 100s mm -hmm. because um, they were, you know, they invested in this money that's all like half plastic and see-through, supposed to be completely counterfeit proof. And within a year, they figured out how to counterfeit it. So anyway, they stopped taking the big bills. And I got thinking one day, I'm like, you know, if the bank machine stopped working or we had no power, it'd be pretty hard to spend a $100 bill if you needed to go buy a gallon of milk or something. So I started keeping smaller stuff, you know, and uh, so that was part of it too. But yes, you definitely, you got to have cash on hand because, it, I mean, there's other ways, but, you know, in the meantime, if, like I said, if there's a power outage or there's an issue, you got to be able to buy stuff. And if your card's not working and you don't have any cash on hand, doesn't matter how much is in the bank, it ain't going to do you any good. Hawkins. Yeah, uh, kind of the same thing there with uh, keeping that kind of stuff. But that's where I think, you know, some of your preps do come into play because you were talking about inflation and stuff. Like that jar of peanut butter I bought six months ago, definitely now, is what that was better money spent, I guess, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, because that same jar of peanut butter costs mm -hmm. more today. So when we find long-term storables, you know, we do – I see that as a form of hedging against inflation when buy buy things that I know I'm going to use. I do that with my gas. You know, I keep two or 300 gallons of gas here and I also buy it at a dollar off with, you know, Kroger fuel points. So I think that, you know, but I know that's something I'm going to use. So when I go and spend that 50 or 75 bucks a week on that gas I'm putting in storage, that's, that, that's a known usage and a known expense coming up. You know, I looked at it one time I could get back and forth to work six months off that fuel. So, you know, that's, so in a way that's, Kind of like keeping cash on hand because that's money you know you're going to spend next week. If that kind of makes sense. Yeah, for the the hundreds, I've never been a fan of keeping hundreds on hand just because I haven't run into it here. But when I went to Belgium over 20 years ago, they wouldn't take 100 Belgian francs. Like they would only take the smaller bills. Um, and when I tried to exchange my hundred dollar my 100 us dollar bills they wouldn't exchange those for me so i was like oh this is something so i only really carry 20s and below <laughs> but 
but I do, we do have cash on hand and I've made it a point where anytime I pay with cash, if I come home with a five or singles, those and any change except for my Aldi's quarter come out of my change purse and they go into my little spot where I store everything. Because Tim, you're right. I can't, I'm not going to take a hundred dollar bill and go buy. I mean, we don't really drink milk, but if I needed the milk, I, I'm not going to use that to buy milk because they're not going to have the cash on hand versus if I can go and they're like, okay, it's 7.25 or 7.23 for one gallon of milk. I can say, hey, here's your exact change and not have to deal with it. So. Yeah. I don't know, lady. I, I really like having a stack of hundreds laying around. That's, that's It feels kind of good. <laughs> it It is fun. Like when we got married and then <laughs> we were going through all the money, we were like, we, we did the like making it rain <laughs> the cash because we were like, look at all this money. Like, this is like, look at, look at all these hundreds that people just gave us. And then we're like, okay, well, we kept a thousand of it, you know, because that's our emergency fund. That's what we had it in at the time. And then everything else went to the bank. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how about budgeting? I know you said you, uh, y'all follow the Dave Ramsey method and we've done that in the past and have kind of, you know, fallen off of it and gotten back on it from time to time. We don't do a whole lot in, in strict cash anymore. Um, what, what's your, I guess, best, best method of budgeting, if I can talk right. And we'll go in reverse order this time, go Letty Hawkins, Tim. Um, so we're, we, we do a lot of Dave Ramsey, but we don't follow his envelope budgeting. It's something we do want to get back into. Um, living here in small town, Wisconsin, it's not living in the burbs where everybody's moving fast with their credit cards and debit cards. So we, uh, we're, I, whenever I go out, I pay cash and we only have debit cards anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, when we do the Aldi's and Walmart runs, those are a little bit pricier cause we're stocking up on whatever we need. But, um, we, we also look at, okay, how much what are our expected expenses for the month? And we make sure that that's set aside. And then we always give ourselves like 50 to a hundred dollars of fun money for, for the month. So if we want to do, I don't know, like pizza or go out to dinner somewhere else one other night, we can, we can do it like that, but we're not super duper budgety people. <laughs> yeah, I guess the, we don't really uh, have like a written budget or this or that. So much is uh like my check it goes into you know two accounts one's kind of my allotment it's like 10 or 15 percent of what i make that's my money and then the rest goes into the house you know house fund and you know my wife she gets her percentage of her check and you know then i got all my side stuff that i do you know and i, I use that and i try to my goal is to make it all my side stuff is all my spending money all my work money goes into the house and uh that's our our new budget now that we're at the new place is basically we have it where everything I make except for that little piece I take is going to the house payment, you know, and then we're living off of, you know, all the other bills are going off my wife's because the plan is to get the house paid off. I quit my job. So if we're living off just what she makes, we're kind of preempting that now, if that makes sense. So that's kind of our budget. And then uh, we do use a credit card because she likes the points and all that. And uh, she kind of keeps an eye on that. and you know, we have our fund and we can kind of, we monitor, you know, pay that credit card off each month and then go from there and we say, okay, look, this is getting low. We need to stop and slow down stock it up. Or, you know, if that make, 
I guess that kind of makes sense. Everybody kind of does their own thing. I think it's funny about credit cards. They, <laughs> you know, when, when you, they're useful when you don't need them, right? So that like we, I double or almost triple my points on, because I spend a lot in gas in the run of a month in my business. And so uh, PC points are a big one up here, President's Choice, which was a grocery store. And now they're in the big SO uh, gas stations and stuff. So I use it and I make, I think it's 10% of whatever I spend, I get back in dollars on gas, which is great. I love it. And it adds up quick and you can use it for groceries too. Uh, so I like that. And one thing I noticed traveling through the US and up here in Canada, it's much odder to use cash up here. It, we, we are like debit cards. I can never quite um, figure out what the difference between a debit card down there and a debit card is up here. But because I think some of the debits, are your guys' debits linked to your Visa card or are they linked to a bank account now? They're linked to a bank, all I've known. Okay, good. Yeah, well, then I'm not too crazy. But yeah, like we just, we use debit. Like I forget, I seen the, the latest thing, but I, it's like 90 or 95% transactions are done with cards up here. And maybe it's gone that way south of the border too. It just seemed like when I traveled down there, cash was a little more, you know, normal, right? And we have like our dollar and $2 are coins too. So they, uh, they work in, um, you know, vending machines, but most of our vending machines take debit cards now. So, you know, it, I don't know, it's, we really are going closer and closer to not having cash up here. And I'm sure it'll be, we'll be long ahead of you guys for that, but. Um, I know you're talking about budgeting, but Brian had mentioned about freezing the bank accounts. And I seen you brought that up. And even a year ago, maybe two years ago, I would have thought, oh, you guys are just absolute uh, nut jobs. You know, Alex Jones type saying that the government's going to freeze bank accounts. But from my understanding, I believe there's still people up here whose bank accounts are frozen simply because they donated to the trucker convoy. And we were going to donate to the trucker convoy but i forgot to do it <laughs> and then they locked down the uh yeah i know right so i don't know whether we would have or wouldn't have it's just crazy but that that blows me away but as far as budgeting goes we we pay our bills first and then what's left over you know we we pay our bills first and then we try to put money in the you know cash savings from there and then what's left is ours to kind of play with or do what we want with it yeah, that's that's kind of a similar situation to what we are is definitely got the bills first and to the credit card thing too. Um, there's a comment over on uh, Odyssey. Trent said, I understand not wanting to use credit, but you can use credit cards and pay it off every month no, with no interest and it helps build up that credit. And, you know, my wife and I wanted to build, or I guess it's in my name, so I was building my credit up in case we ever wanted to purchase a property or something like that. But it's an easy trap to fall into like, hey, you know what? I don't have the cash on me right now to pay it off, but I will by the end of the month. And then it's like, oh, crap, I've got two thousand dollars I've got to pay off. <laughs> what what are what are we not paying so that we can pay off the credit card and don't have to pay the 25 percent interest or whatever it's up to these days? So that is a go ahead, Hawkins. Oh, I was just going to say uh, the thing with the credit card. One of the reasons I prefer credit card over debit, though is the, you know the theft protection and i don't know mm. if you've ever had your uh, bank account compromised but there's a big difference between them taking a thousand dollars out of your checking account and them taking a thousand dollars of 
off your credit card because I was planning on using the checking account money to pay my house payment. Credit card, I wasn't. So that's that's one of the biggest things I've ever been told is you, really, if you know, like you said, it's a trap. It can be. But if you can, you really want to route everything through that credit card because you have that buffer of fraud protection and they haven't taken your actual money. They've only messed with your credit money. So, at, mm -hmm. you know, it's something to really kind of think about. The, the way that we avoid that is we, we keep everything in savings and then, okay, one second kiddo. And then we'll, we'll transfer into our checking. So before we make the mortgage payment, we're like, okay, it's, it's bill day. How much money do we need to make sure is in the account? So we put it in there and then my husband uses the debit card for gas because he's back and forth to work every day. But I mean, again, it's, we keep as little as possible in that checking account. So we don't run into that because with my old credit union, I actually had that issue and it was right after they merged with a larger one and the customer service just, they were horrible because I had something happen at the original credit union and they're like, counts on hold. We're getting the money back for you. Here you go. The new one was like, Oh, we're sorry. We can't help you. And I was like, what, what good is this bigger credit union that you're not going to help me with this? Again, I only had a specific amount of cash in there, so it's not like they yeah. took my life savings. Well, but I got it's hit still... with that before, and it was 30 charges of small amounts, so I ended up with like $150, dollars overdraft fees. Yeah, that's I, I used to do loss prevention, and that was one of the things, too, was I would deal with all the, uh, oh, God, all the, the stolen credit cards and debit cards, and that was, you don't want to deal with those companies. <laughs> with that. Even the credit card companies were asshats to deal with, so... <laughs> I you know, want to highlight. I'll oh, go ahead, Tim. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say I've had friends who uh, their debit account or their their bank account has been, you know, compromised, and the bank normally tells them, "Well, we'll look into it, and you might have, you know, in thirty days, you might or might not." And most times, they don't get their money back. Whereas with the credit card, usually it's twenty four to forty eight hours, and they reverse the charges and. The other thing I was thinking about with the, the bank thing, I'm not, uh, I know lady left, so I don't, but if, if somebody gets into your checkings account, there's a lot of times they can get into your savings account too. And that just makes me a little nervous, but I'm not saying it is or isn't. I do like that idea a lot about separating most of your money from it. It just, it gives you one more area, but yeah, I, I forgot about that Hawkins with the uh, credit cards. They, they do give you a lot more protection and a lot quicker return on your money. I was going to pull up a couple comments. Uh, Nomad, Loco E, Phil Nomad over on YouTube said, it's not how much you make, it's how much you don't spend. Um, and he also said, carrying too much cards and cash can be dangerous, not by thieves on the street, but by corporate ones, the mass market retailers, Harper, hyper consumerism. Man, I can't read tonight. <laughs> and then we've got some Canadians in here, Brian. I think that's a Canadian reference, loonies and toonies. <laughs> That's what it is. When yeah. uh, Letty talked about the uh, the quarter, I assume that's for your shopping cart. Is it Letty? Yeah. I can't, here, I can't get that cart without that Aldi's quarter. <laughs> up here, it's a loony. So you got to put a, you know, a dollar coin in and yeah. Or you can buy an actual coin from the place for two bucks that you can't spend. So that helps. <laughs> and then Loco again said, pay yourself first. There's not enough uh, month at the end of the money. And I just had a good chat with Nicole about some personal finance things and she, we talked a little about that too. And it's not always, 
you know, we think that there's not enough month at the end of the money, but it comes back to how you manage it, you know, paying yourself first, making sure the bills are paid and then how you disperse it from there. So there doesn't always have to be a month at the end of the money. So we talked a little about emergency fund and the fact that each of us at least think it's a good thing, whether we currently have one or not. <laughs> what kind of factors do you consider in building your emergency fund as far as like the bills that you've got on a monthly basis? Or do you look out long term like this is what I make in my in my current job and this is for inflation and all of that? How how deep down that rabbit hole do you go? And we'll start with Tim. <laughs> yeah, so one thing I had to get over when we first, I mean, and I like I'm going to be totally transparent. I mean, for years, we lived with zero emergency fund. You know what I mean? Like what was in the bank is all we had. And that was it. And that was for a long time. So and that that's not a very comfortable way to live. I'll tell you that. But um, one thing you have when you start building an emergency fund, know that there's a good chance you're probably going to dip into it. You're probably going to spend it right down to zero and then you're going to rebuild it and then you're going to rebuild it again. And each time you do, it might stick around just a little bit longer, but eventually you'll find a way to keep that emergency fund there. And it's not always easy because there's always an emergency, right? But, uh, you know, for us, that was the big thing. It took us a long time to be able to start actually keeping an emergency fund there and trying not to dip into it. But Sometimes I still have to remind myself that the reason we have an emergency fund is so I can pay for an emergency. And, you know, it's like it's like the preps or it's like you buy an extra case of nine millimeter ammo and you're like, oh, nine millimeters hard to get and it's expensive. So I'm not going to go plinking at the range right now. Well, that's what I bought it for was to go shoot. So what good is it if I just sit there? And that's kind of the emergency fund. Just don't get trapped in the the spot where you're like, well, it's my emergency fund, but I can't spend it all. I mean, it is there for an emergency to keep you from racking up credit cards. Yeah, definitely on that. Uh, that's, that's one of the biggest things I like about it is it keeps you from dipping in that credit card because you that you know you're not going to be able to pay off by the end of the month. So that that's really nice. Uh, what we started with as far as like how we got to where we had one and stuff like that was, you know, Basically, we looked at our monthly expenses and said, I want, you know, off the bat, let's get one month and put it aside so we can, you know, and then after that was, you know, incrementally building it up. You know, my goal is to try to keep it, you know, at least three to six months at all times in there. That way I know if something happens, one of us gets hurt, somebody's in the hospital, it's going to be long term. I can take a leave of absence from work and be there for the family, the kids or my wife, the same thing, you know kind of like life insurance you know you, you want it to have enough to make sure that people can get by and that's how and i will say this once you have it like saying it was it was like wow tires blue on the car let's go get a new set of tires you know because that is a big part of preparedness you know is keeping that maintenance up because if you die in a car wreck because your tire blew out you're not very prepared <laughs> But having that, you know, was it five, six hundred bucks, depending on what, you know, if it's a truck or a car, could be thousands on a truck to keep, you know, those kind of things in line and up to date. So, but yeah, just if you can get one month and then kind of just move on and slowly build it up. But yeah, when you, you know, open that bank account, you look at it, you're like, wow, that's, I've never had this much in a bank account before. It, it kind of motivates you to keep wanting to grow it. And even when you do use it, like, okay, this time we got up to five grand, let's see if we can get 10. Hey, we got 10, let's see if we can put 15 back. 
you know, it's, it becomes kind of gamish, if that makes sense. It's, it's actually, it's absolutely a fun game. <laughs> um, I've actually been at that, have absolutely zero, 10 years ago, because I'm a little, little bit past it. I had zero money, no job, nothing. And I had to go to my parents and say, I have nothing. I need help. And Bank of America keeps America keeps sending me these overdraft fees. And now I owe them $300. So can you help me? And they're like, yes. So I'm, I moved home and I actually got a job babysitting, making $500 a month working overnight. And I had to pay my parents, Hey, stop running $200 a month for rent. So that I'm like, okay, I've got $300 a month. Like, how am I going to make this work? Well, the next, over the next year I saved $225 every single month just to have it. And then I got a job because I went back to school. So school got the job. And then I realized, oh crap, I had the stupid University of Phoenix loan. So then I had to dip into that emergency fund. Then I got engaged <laughs> and I'm like, hey, and by then I had really started to build it up. And you know, like you said, Hawkins, it's, you get that $500 in there. You're like, this is awesome. Let's make it a thousand. Let's make it 2000 and you just keep doubling it and doubling it. And I was able to pay it off. And when we got married, we paid cash for our wedding. And then everything else that I had in my savings account became our emergency fund. So, so then it was, okay, well, what, what debt do we both have now that my husband was bringing in and like, okay, let's, let's start working at it. And we, every once in a while we'd look and we're like, okay, we can we can take the emergency fund and pay this off. So we've actually done that, and we were thinking today we could take our emergency fund and finish paying off these student loans. But we're looking we got a baby due in a couple of months. We need to buy another vehicle, so that's not top priority. And it's like we're you know so when it comes to the emergency funds, it's we've kind of used we've used it for real emergencies, but also for the let's just get rid of this extra payment that we have to make each month because then that will increase our fund. So it, it's been a fun ride. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I were fortunate enough to start out our married life, you know, out of debt, like didn't have any, any liabilities out there other than the vehicle I was driving at the time, which thankfully I was able to pay that off pretty quickly but we didn't have a really good background of, of how to why, deal with your finances wisely. Like basically if it came in, it, it went right back out and you would build up a little bit of savings and just in time for tax season. And then the tax man came and almost to the penny every year, what you had saved up went to the tax man. I think they were watching our bank accounts. I'm not sure, <laughs> but um, it, it's, it's been a lot of trial and error for myself. Uh, you, you kind of get, you might get a thousand dollars saved up and you get feeling pretty comfortable with that. And so you build that up and then you have, have an emergency that has to, that takes that. And so on one hand, it's a little, uh, it's a downer that you have to use it. But on the other hand, you know, it's, it's being thankful that you had that reserve. Cause that's what it's for. You're, you're not out there. Like you said, paying it off with a credit card or have to go take out a personal loan or something like that. And the next, the next thing I want to move to is, is savings ever done? 
And along with that, do you also save for your child's education or education? But before we go into that, I want to bring up a couple of comments over on Odyssey. This is Trent again. He said, discipline is key. I like using my Wyndham Rewards visa for his big truck maintenance. He usually spends about forty-five to 47000 a year. So he gets a lot of free nights at their hotels. <laughs> I can imagine you would with with that much put on it. So it's awesome that you can put that through and, and get that return on it. So Tim, is the savings ever done? I, th I think you're the elder statesman here. <laughs> you can tell us what we're looking for, have to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I, yeah, no, uh, no, it's not. Um, you can, I'm, I know we're going to talk about precious metals again, but once you get to a certain point, I don't know. I mean, even corporations don't sit on a lot of cash eventually, right? So savings can mean a lot of things. But, you know, once you get to a comfortable spot of having a certain amount, whatever your certain amount of money is you'd like to have on hand, then I think different forms of savings would be investing in other areas of return, you know, residual incomes and things like that. And maybe I'm kind of stretching it here a little bit, but, you know, maybe developing a business or, or putting some of that money into a business that can bring more money back to you. Uh, and then assets as well, you know, buying things that hopefully, again, will hedge against inflation, you know, like ammo and precious metals. I guess they're, I guess they're both forms of precious metals, right? But any of that, like, but yeah, I mean, you can, you can save as much as you want, but to me, once you hit a certain point, of having a bit of comfort there in your savings, I think you're doing yourself a disservice by keeping it all just in savings. You know, you could either put it in investments or, you know, there's a hundred different ways that you can make a lot more money than sitting in the bank, losing whatever the inflation rate happens to be at that point. Yeah. Uh, I got to say that a lot of that's the same. Uh, once you hit that point, you know, like he said, it, if you just keep letting it grow, it's, you know, you're still going to be paying that inflation tax every year. Uh, one of the ways I think that's a, a smart way to use it, especially after buying and selling a couple of houses now, because uh, you always fix them up really nice right before you sell them. And that just, I'm, I'm tired of that, you know, with our new house here, you know, like the deck, you know, I wanted the deck, we built the deck because that the payoff of that for us the return is going to be a lot more than that money ever would would give us, if that makes sense. The enjoyment of it, you know, that's something I'm going to enjoy for the next 30 years, unless the wind, I just finished the roof that the, you know, wind blew off before. So if it blows it off again, I'll be mad. But, you know, that covered porch is something me and the family is going to enjoy for the next 20, 30 years. So investing and plus the money, it adds to the value of the house. So to me, at a certain point, you want to start looking at where can I spend this money? And I'm going to enjoy it, but it's also an investment, if that makes sense. And uh, also, like I said, you know, with the fuel or other things, like if you can pre-buy things that you know you're going to use in the future, you know, that way you have them on hand. So your hedging gets set inflation. Plus, a lot of times having it on hand is cheaper. You know, you can do bulk buys once you get to a certain point. I think that's a smart thing to do. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things. And then the investing, you know, start throwing some of it once you get to a certain point, too you got that little bit of gambling room and you don't need that immediate pull time. So if you don't need it within tomorrow, you can put it out into the stock market or somewhere, even in a stable, something stable where you're not going to necessarily lose it, but that, you know, but 
for everybody, it's different. Every pay range is different. You know, everybody's risk tolerance, that kind of thing. I would say for us, we'll probably have a nice big chunk of money actually saved and set aside. And that will be in the banks and stuffed under our mattresses <laughs> or in the freezer, you know, those frozen assets. Um, what that amount will be, who knows? We're, we're not at that point to make that decision. But it it's funny because we at Thanksgiving, we went back down south and we went to close out our credit union account down there. And like, oh, yeah, we got all this money in the bank and we were just like wait what <laughs> we thought we cleared most of that account out so that it was like a happy little surprise present for us that we then have now put in, into our additional emergency savings turn around so i can pay you back um but then you know you asked about what about kids education and that's a very <laughs> that's a very difficult subject because we look at the schools the way they are today, like the colleges, and I'm like, I flunked out of two different universities in four years, you know, and finally went back to get an associate's degree by the, like, right before I turned 30. So all that money my parents spent on those two universities just went down the train. Um, and also seeing the education and the, the product coming out of these schools. My husband and I are like, we're not big fans of that. So we're personally probably not going to have a, like hundreds of thousands set aside for our little guy for when he does go to school. We're not doing those 529 plans or anything like that because we don't want to get sucked into something, you know, that we then can't take it out and use it. But my parents did set up a bank account for him. Like, okay, well, if he does go to college, he can use Nani and Papa's bank account money to – uh to pay for it or for trade school or whatever he chooses to do, because that that's just the way that we're going to do it. Yeah. Tim kind of hit on, you know, how big of an actual fund or how, how much can you actually save? At what point does it become, you know, just useless to you? Like, you, cause you can only store up so much at, at which point you're not seeing the return on value and, and to put that into hard assets, um, over on Loco, he said, if you don't, can, if you don't or can't save cash reserve, make sure to spend it on hard assets that can return you hundreds fold in like business and land resiliency. So that's, that's one thing that in my studying, I have more, a lot more head knowledge than practical knowledge at this point, but it is, you know, have that reserve, that backup to get you through the tough times, but then the excess you want it to go into something that can actually work for you. Have you guys read the book that Jack Spearco talks about, the uh, the richest man in Babylon? That's one of the things that he says in there is pay yourself first and then make slaves out of your money. Instead of working for your money, the the money that you're able to save up, make it work for you. And that's how you make your purse fatter quicker. <laughs> um, and to, to the education thing as well we don't have any kids, so they're, they're kind of out of luck. <laughs> you, you know, going back to that, I, I saw that Amy had commented that their parents didn't pay for education and her and her husband haven't saved money for the kids. Um, I didn't appreciate those four years that my parents paid for me to go to school. I didn't. I was just like, I'm going to school in downtown Chicago. Yeah. Get, get tattoos, you know, like get piercings. It's awesome. And, 
enjoyed my freedom. And then I went down to school in Florida, made some amazing friends who almost 20 years later were still best friends. But I mean, I have nothing to show for it. But when I went back to school, I paid for it. I paid for it out of pocket. So I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to get that 4.0. I'm going to like be the best in all of my classes because I am making the time and it is my hard earned money that's going to pay for it. So I think that's part of it too. Like, yeah, we can get all these accounts for our kids and all this money, but are they actually going to use it and appreciate it? I, my experience, no. <laughs> and Brock over on YouTube also said skills training is more important than degrees. And I've been known to uh, hate on higher education and I, but I think it's right for some people. It's just not nearly right for everybody. Not nearly the high percentage of people that go is higher education right for. So definitely skills training is more important than degrees. I, I love that. How about, you know, all of us have been in debt for at one time or another. You know, I still have a little bit of debt. I'm paying off a farm tractor that I went into, which I use quite a bit. So it, it's, I think it's a good purchase. I'm, I'm, not 100% sold on that, but I use it a lot. So it's, it's a really good thing. <laughs> Hawkins says yes, so we're going with that. But um, what's the best way to dig yourself out of a hole of debt? Do you guys have any – what's worked best for y'all? I'll throw it over to Tim. Yeah, we had a lot of expertise in that. We, <clears throat> I, I mean, I've I, – you know, I won't lie. I've been pretty open about, you know, how – I always say abject poverty is a good motivator. And I mean, we really were like, we were as broke as a joke for a long time. And it's easy to sit on the other end of it. And, you know, you can throw pat answers and you can say, well, here's what we did. And this worked perfectly. Well, you know what, when you got to choose between milk and gas in your vehicle, sometimes it's not easy. Right. And so every time we got ourselves in a hole, the first thing we did was we sat down and had a conversation. Becky and I, and we'd be, you know, we were always, you know, we, we always were open with where we were in the situation. And so then what we would do after that is we would make a plan. And then about two weeks later, after we broke that plan or the plan broke because shit happened and, you know, something went sideways, then we would sit down and we'd have another conversation and we'd make another plan and we would work our way through it. And it's not always easy, but you know, we would look at things and we would, I know for a long time, we used to go, you know, every six months, we'd go over all of our monthly bills and find places that we could, yeah, somebody said, don't, or Brian said, don't put milk in your vehicle, Tim, ain't that the truth? <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the milk or the gasoline thing, but, you know, so you'd try to find areas to save money. That would be the first thing. And then you would make a plan and you'd say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I remember at times we would plan out the next three months and we're like, okay, if we do absolutely all of these things for the next three months, we might be able to take the kids out to the movies on the final Sunday or Saturday or whatever. And that's if nothing else happens, you know? And so we, we, we did, we, we worked on it. And then you just know that it's not always going to work the first time. But get yourself a plan and try to stick with it. And then also something else I wish I'd have thought of or realized before is there's always, always other areas to make money, you know, like side hustles or whatever. There's always something you can do if you're willing to do it. But just sometimes when you get 
in the mindset of I need to work nine to five every single day, you just you're absolutely blind to the fact that that's all the money I ever have coming in. So we always I think what we did ask backwards was we always looked at how to try to fit our budget into the money we had coming in instead of trying to expand the amount of money we had coming in. Because I was always like, I, you know, looking back on it, it's like, why? But, you know, I was always waiting for that yearly review so that I could make an extra 15 cents an hour. And what, what the hell does that do? You know, 15 cents an hour is what, eight, you know, a dollar a day, $40 a paycheck. Like that's nothing. You can spend that, you know, on a couple of gallons of uh, milk really, or, you know, whatever. Right. So yeah, that's where we were. And I'm just say all that to say, it's not easy at first, but you can dig yourself out and maybe look at how to expand your income instead of trying to uh, balance all of those bills inside of your income, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I don't know if anybody else has ever listened to Radical Personal Finance, but uh, that guy, I've listened to him quite a bit and he's got a lot of good ones. And basically he says kind of the same thing Tim was saying, it's a lot easier to make more money than it is to try to spend less. Or the try, and also when you do start cutting, people always seem to the cut the necessities. Let's turn, let's make the power bill less. Let's make the water bill less. Things that and he's like that that doesn't matter, you know. For me, because uh, I, you know, I went through a big party period. The easiest way to get out of debt for me was uh, join the military and get a wife that's financially responsible. Because uh, you go, you know, one deployment overseas for a year, you ain't got nowhere to spend your money. So it just stocks up in the bank and your food, housing, everything is taken care of. So that definitely helped, you know, coming back with those big chunks of money in life, you know, at a young age. And then uh, my wife, she's uh, a lot more financially responsible than I am. So, you know, she's like, you know, every time I go to spend money, why are you spending that? Why are you spending that? You know, you don't need that. But in it, it works, though, because it does make you think, you know, kind of rethink, start rethinking those things. And it, it seems like it's always easier when you have someone else there to help you. You know, that definitely, even if, and if, even if you're not married, if you can find a buddy who's financially responsible, you know, hanging out with that person who's more financially responsible that you want to be like does seem to work. Cause, uh, I know for the longest time I drank all my money away, you know, it wasn't nothing for me to get paid. I paid all the bills and I spent all the rest on partying that weekend and went back, did the next week and the next week. So, you know, Part of it's growing up, I think, getting older. Well, as long as you get older and grow up, a lot of people seem to get older but don't ever grow up and get out of that cycle of partying and drinking and living paycheck to paycheck. So that, and then uh, the other one is uh, almost like uh, Laddie said, yeah, have a hidden bank account <laughs> is one of the tricks that I did. Yeah, I had a bank account that I did a direct deposit. I can't remember what the percentage was in my account, and that money went there, but I couldn't access that account unless I went to the bank. It wasn't on my phone. It wasn't no debit card, nothing like that. The only way I could get money out or check the balance was to go in the bank and talk to the teller. So, you know, that was before, you know, I was with my wife who is financially responsible because that way I knew that that was my little slush fund I had. So that's how I kind of started digging myself out of a hole was by doing that and hiding money from myself because I, you know, I don't know if it was the way I was raised. And it seems like a lot of me and my friends were raised that way. You spend everything you make. And as you do get those raises, like Tim said, you just spend more. You know, I had a job making really good money. And every time I got a 30 cents or 50 cents or a dollar raise even, just means I spent more. You know, 
Another the other tip that I heard if you are on work at a place that has a uh, those annual raises where you get the five percent or ten percent a year or whatever, take that extra money you get that raise and put it away because you were already living just fine on what you were making. So you didn't need that extra five percent. So and if you do that every raise, that stuff adds up over time. So. Yeah, the the the, <laughs> the keeping up with the Joneses when you get those raises. I hear you. I mean, I I was working downtown Chicago for a financial services firm, and like everybody was almost every single day. Hey, we're going down to this bar. Do you want to come join us for drinks? Or we're going here for drinks? Or oh, we've got the happy hour. And I was just like, what? What? <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? Because I came to it from having nothing, just like nothing in my account. To, so I was like, I'm not going out and spending the money. To these people who were just like, oh, yeah, we're going to go out to dinner. It's going to be like, if we're, we're going to go to this fancy steakhouse for dinner and then get drinks. It's like, yeah, no, I'll just see you guys at work on Monday morning or whatever. But I mean, for us, for, for getting out of the debt and everything, like I said, we Dave Ramsey fans. So we did FPU as part of our personal marriage counseling before we got married. And I was like, okay, I'm paying all my stuff off and then we're going to start with yours. So we started with whatever the smallest dollar loan was that he owed and we're like okay we're gonna pay this off and then we every every like six months we'd reevaluate okay how much are we putting towards these loans and and we're going to we're gonna we're gonna up this one oh man we're only a couple hundred dollars away what can we re rearrange in our budget so we can make that extra payment <laughs> donna i hate those joneses too i tell you Except for now, when I look at keeping up with the challenges, I'm like, oh, I wish I could start my seeds already because all these people are starting their seeds. Um, but but yeah, and we re we'd rearrange your budget and what we were what we were going to spend on how much you're going to put into savings that month, or even just take it out of savings so we could finally pay that loan off. And every time we got one, like Dave Ramsey's so right with that snowball effect. Like as you get one and then the other. And it keeps building. The momentum goes. And today, when we were looking at it, we're like, we could pay that. We could pay that final loan off today. And I was like, or we could use it to put a really good down payment on a new vehicle in the next month. And we're like, okay, yeah, new vehicle kind of takes priority because mine hasn't run all winter because it doesn't have heat, <laughs> which is a problem up in in northern Wisconsin. So. Uh, it, it comes down to get that momentum going, get excited. And when you hit those milestones, we would treat ourselves. Hey, we're going to go to the movies and we're going to go to the nice steak place for dinner versus like Chick-fil-A or something. And now it's like, okay, we're, we're so close. The only other debt that we have is our mortgage payment, which I mean, that's just amazing. And we're also like, okay, well, what do we, do we start paying extra toward the mortgage? Like notice, Focus on focus on those loans, and we'll be if we keep going, we'll be done in eighteen months. Eighteen months, no, not yeah, eighteen months. <laughs> and we're like, let's do it. We can do it. We can do it. You know. So, the other advice I have is, like Hawkins said, get that accountability buddy, whether it's your spouse or it's a friend. Just find someone who's going to be your cheerleader, because. Nobody likes to talk finances. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about I all this money and talk about the stress and just the weight on your shoulders and how hard it is. Find someone that you can share those successes with because once you do, I mean, 
they're going to be checking in on you. I have a friend and she checks in on me every couple of months. Hey, hey, accountability buddy, how are you guys doing with your, uh, your loan payments? And I'm like, this is where we're at. We're on that last one now, you know, so we're going, but, um, yeah, it don't keep up with the Joneses and become your own cheerleader too. There's so many ways you can cheer yourself on. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that accountability buddy. I've never heard it put that way before. That, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun thing. You got it. Like, yeah, it's the accountability buddy. When you're like, well, let's shorten it and make it fun. And then mm -hmm. it, it really excites you when you say accountability buddy, because I yeah. can't say it without smiling. Right. <laughs> I think having fun is, is a lot of getting through, you know, getting past that debt because so, so often you can set that goal of getting out of debt and you just push hard towards it and no fun, nothing can't have do anything, go out, can't anything for yourself or treat the wife and kids until that debt's paid off. And, and if that is a long way out, I think a key is to have those milestones and, and to treat yourself. And, and some people have a harder time with, you know, just nose to the grindstone going after it like that with, with no allowances or no leeway in there at all. So I think knowing yourself is part of it because for myself in the past, what I've done is, is do that, put everything towards that and nothing to the side for the extras and you have a rough day, you're stressed out, something goes wrong in one of your relationships and it's like, okay. And you go spend a couple hundred bucks on a stress buy or something. And it's like, what did I just do? <laughs> and, and I think it's, can be helpful to have a little bit of leeway there for yourself. So you're not just every single penny, you know, shaking the couch, uh, at the end of the month to try to put a little bit more towards that debt, all those pennies that fall out. So it's, it's a lot of good stuff. And, um, I think it was Nakey toes over on YouTube said planning is key. If you don't know where your money is allocated, it slips through the fingers quickly. So true. I, that happens too often for me, but we've talked about debt, all the non fun stuff like, something that a lot of us deal with and fortunate for those who've gotten through that. What about the savings? How do you, what are some of the ways that y'all like to invest? We'll put it that way, invest, save, have fun with your money after you're out of debt. Let's go in reverse order again. We'll start with Letty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I got out of debt and got married and then paid cash for my wedding. <laughs> so that was like how we did it. And people are so like, how the heck did you pay cash for your wedding? And I'm like, uh, I had a budget of $5,000 and I went out to the boonies where I could actually do that instead of trying to do it in downtown Chicago where I can't get married for less than $30,000. So, but yeah, we, we celebrated. <laughs> um, and once we get the, uh, the loans paid off, I will let you guys know how we celebrate getting out of the big debt. <laughs> Hawkins or I'll go. I'll, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Tim. That's fine. All right. I, I guess at some point we're going to get into it. So I'll talk, you know, uh, precious metals for us. Like I, I, so, you know, when I first got into preparedness, I only really knew about 
gold, I guess. And I thought when I started looking into gold, I was like, oh my God, what? First off, it's not practical at all. You know, I mean, so either you buy an ounce, which is, I don't know, I'm going to like $3,000 or something right now, or you buy like a 10th of a gram or something like that, which is semi-affordable, but it's so thin or tiny that it, well, number one, you, you don't even like, it doesn't look like anything. And how are you ever going to use it if you need to, to trade or anything, right? Or, or you could take gold and you could shave a little bit off, but then I, I'm sure it was Jack that I was uh, listening to. And I forget what day it was, but he, you know, he mentioned talking about silver and I, I always looked at silver, like the, you know, the annoying little brother of gold or something that wasn't really worth a whole lot. And then I started looking into it and I'm like, really silver's just as much a hedge against inflation as gold is and it's way more practical and what's kind of cool about it is you can actually afford to buy it so which i really started enjoying and so what i would do is you know there's a few things i like about silver but number one you're not going to make money on precious metals so if anybody you know for the most part somebody says oh i'm going to buy gold because i'm you know it's not about making money it's about protecting the value of the money when you buy it you know, I, f I forget exactly what it was, but I, I want to say that an ounce of silver has basically always bought six loaves of bread or something in that ballpark, right? But silver is great because it's not a liquid asset either. So once you spend the money on an ounce of silver or 10 ounces of silver or whatever it is you happen to buy, it's a hell of a lot harder to go and sell it somewhere and then spend that money than it is to take that exact same amount of cash that you slipped in an envelope and put in a book you know, it's a lot harder. You have to think about it. It's like when you freeze your credit card in a block of ice in the freezer. That's what I like about it as well. But, you know, don't start, don't go out and buy a whole bunch of silver if you haven't got an emergency fund and you don't have your food uh, preparations put away. But once you do, it gets addictive. And I, I like, you know, you, you're like, okay, well, I want to fill one of those little tubes. You know, I forget, is it 20 in a, I can't remember what it is, but you know, when I first started, it was like, I would just buy one. That was it because we'd go out of town to the, the city and I found a gold and silver place and I'd buy a one ounce coin. And then I found, oh, I can buy them online cheaper in, you know, and so I'd buy three or four or I would say, save up my empty bottles and whatever I'd cash in and get for my refund, I would turn around and buy silver with it. And so it gets addictive. And lately I've been buying uh, quarters. So American quarters pre-1964, whatever it is. And because I'm like, you know, it'd be nice to have something that's just a little bit smaller than a one ounce or whatever, because especially the higher the price and the higher, you know, but yeah, so junk silver is a lot of fun too. But yeah, I, I, I love precious metals. I, I enjoy it. And that's been something I've been digging into for, I don't know, probably about four years now. And I think Hawkins is shaking his head too. So he must agree. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. With as far as, uh, the precious metals and stuff, I, I kind of started on that a while back. And what I liked about it was, um, it's something you can hold, you can have, you know, cause I, I do, I started, I don't know if anybody else has done the Robin hood or the acorn and them. Robinhood's a really cool one because you can get on there and buy and sell and trade the stocks and stuff. It's super easy on an app. You know, that was fun. I uh, actually made some really good money on that a year or so ago. Just off, you know, because you can just pick a small something and throw, you know, it's kind of like, it's almost like playing crypto. You know, you just find one with a cool name, buy the stock and see what happens. And, uh, you know, and that, that's kind of worked out some. 
with the silver though, I liked it because we buy that for the kids and they have their little box and their silver goes in the little box. We'll get it out and we'll kind of play with it and talk about it. I'm like, you know, you know what this is, that kind of thing. And then uh we're Tim, where you're talking about silver and gold, you know, gold just yeah, it seemed kind of ridiculous with the the premium you gotta pay for the small stuff because you're paying so much more over spot when they cut it into little pieces. Silver makes a lot more sense. Plus, to me personally, I see silver being integrated more and more into circuitry and electronics and things like that. So it, to me, it seems like that's going to be a lot bigger than the gold aspect, you know, and that might actually end up driving the, the price up eventually with all the, you know, and if it doesn't, it, it just looks cool. You know, you make yourself a little power chest and just stockpile it and then, you know, tell the kids, hey, I buried it here. Go get it when I die. And. You know, <laughs> have a treasure map in your uh, last will and testimony or something. But, you know, it. so to me, it's got the cool factor, the you know, the fun factor. It does go up some. You know, it seems like when I started buying it a while back, It was, it's been always around 20 to 30 bucks, I guess. The worst thing I've ever done, uh, though, is I used to buy crypto. You know, I would buy my Bitcoin a little bit at a time, and I'd use it to buy silver and gold. And uh, that turned out to be a big mistake. I should have kept the crypto. <laughs> <laughs> but I did the same thing. Don't feel bad. I, I was doing it for a while and now, yeah. So I was like, you know how much this, this one ounce, you know how much this costs now? This is like a, a $5,000 ounce of silver right here. You know, silver. and literally, because if we had, I save up to, a, you know, the hundred dollars on J and billion of crypto and me and a guy at work, we ordered, you know, a hundred dollars worth. Of, it was like five, I think it was probably like, you know, five ounces. And then uh, I went back and looked at that, that transfer. I'm a Bitcoin wallet. And it makes me really sad. I haven't even gone back to look, but I know I did it about two years ago. When I discovered that my bullion place would take Bitcoin directly, I was like, this is great. So then I was skimming the profit, you know, the the little bit of, you know, whatever you'd make above and beyond. I won't even go back and look because I'm sure I would be sad. <laughs> One other quick thing I'll throw out there too, when we are talking about investing in things. So, uh, you know, you guys know I clean out old properties and stuff. So I've been on a kick of selling things on eBay again. And I just sold a whole bunch of vintage video games, made really good bank on it, but it got me thinking. And so now I've been going on like marketplace and, and things like that, looking for other, you know, bulk kind of, you know, amounts of video games that I can get. And this is something I couldn't even have done maybe three or four years ago, but now I can afford to put a little bit of money up front to buy a bunch and then make 50 to 100% off it but it's not something I could have done. So that's another way to kind of extend your capital, uh, invest in something, then turn around and sell it and make some more cash. And on that note, I don't know if any of you are on TikTok or Instagram and Facebook reels. There's quite a few people who um, actually do that thrift store flipping. They'll go in and find things like in Goodwill and, random yard sales and stuff and find items like that buy them for two or three dollars obviously it's not a, not going to happen for every yard sale you stop at but sometimes you can find those items and turn around and flip them for 75 100 dollars but with the with the precious metals thing i i don't so much do like investing with it it's more a hedge, I guess, you know, put a, I might have a couple thousand dollars in it, but it's, I like to have fun with it. And here is, I don't know if you can see this. 
the coolest thing that, well, you can't see it. It's an old silver dollar. Um, I was born in 1986, so I was in this pawn shop and found a silver dollar, like pristine condition, 1886. So it's 100 years older than me. I'm like, I know it's like $5 over spot, but I've got to buy that. <laughs> so you can have fun with, with your precious metals and stuff like that, too. It's something you can hold, and it's got a piece of history to it. So it's a cool little story, like Hawkins was saying, you can pass on down to your kids and make a treasure map or something with that. I don't have a whole lot to add to the to the crypto thing. Um, anything else on, on that? Nomad says, uh, silver, buy one ounce, cry forever. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if you bought it with uh, Bitcoin a couple years ago. I don't know what you're talking about with crypto because I, I lost all of my keys in a tragic boating accident last summer. <laughs> but no, um, I earned a shit ton of R for free over on Discord by going to the the tip bot and then on the TSP Discord. They we haven't played in a while, but they have a GIFs against huge manatees game and for a while, I was on a winning streak there, winning like up to five R <laughs> a game back when it was still nothing. But uh, yeah, it, we're 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 dipping our toes into the crypto side of things. But I didn't realize you could use your crypto to buy <laughs> to buy metals, and I'm glad we didn't go that route because I would probably be crying along with you guys. <laughs> but yeah, metals is going to be the next thing that we get into once we get the loans taken care of because. We have copper and lead and that type of <laughs> precious metal, but that's about it right now. And like, I, I only wear sterling silver jewelry. So, I mean, we do have some silver, but that's about it. <laughs> that yeah, covers gonna, all. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say on the, on the crypto, what I started doing, and I mean, and it's worked out good because I, I believe in it. It's something I, you know, it's an investment, something I wanted to get into and do, but I didn't have, you know, a crap load of money to throw into it. I, just, I started doing $10 a week, like a couple of years ago and just had it set up on Coinbase, which they take out a buck. So I'm auto automatically losing 10% off the top, but every single week it was 10 bucks and I've upped it to 20 now for, I guess the last year or so, but just that, and I, I don't even notice it. It comes out every single week, you know, the same time I get paid. Pretty much in the next day that you know that 20 bucks goes out and i i don't notice it so to me you know like setting up anything like that even with or like you got all your other ones you know your 401k those kind of things you know that's why they people don't really think about them when they set them up it comes right out of the check mm -hmm. before you ever see it and that's best because it's gone it's done and just let it and i, I mean I, yeah it's just just let it build up and let it keep going and leave it alone. There is something out there. It's called Strike. And I know a bunch of guys who are using it. Um, and basically, you just set it up with your payroll people to put 5% of your paycheck into Strike. And it automatically goes there. And it, I don't know if it does Bitcoin or what, but it goes into some type of cryptocurrency. I haven't looked into it yet. Um, but if, if you're in the, into the survival podcast, there's a bunch of guys that are using it. So that's another great resource. And it's an easy foolproof way that you kind of forget that you're getting this cryptocurrency over here that you can then go back and use later. So something else to think about. 
I was just going to throw two quick tips out for my fellow Canadians too. So, <laughs> um, if ShakePay is a company up here in Canada, and you can, so we have uh, internet interact e transfer, so I can email money right from my bank account to another bank account, and you can buy crypto, uh, Bitcoin basically directly through ShakePay. You just send money using your email e transfer. I've done it a ton for a lot of years or for a couple of years now, and it's worked really good. And silvergoldbull.ca, they've got the cheapest silver in Canada uh, that I've been able to find. So they're the best one. Buy their, they sell a, uh, they call it a random. So basically you can get one ounce of silver, but they won't tell you what you're going to get. But just about every time I've bought it, they always send you like, you know, maple leaves. Like recently, I think I ordered 10 randoms and it came half of a sleeve of one ounce 2021 Canadian Maple Leaf. So those are two of my Canadian tips there because I've seen Martinson family and I know they're Canadian. So yeah, over on uh over on Odyssey, I missed this one earlier. Trent said, Hey, I'm a Jones, don't hate me. <laughs> said I tried to keep up with the Jones, but I got ahead of myself. <laughs> that covers just about everything that we had laid out in the agenda for tonight. Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? I was just going to throw one thing out real quick that I saw the comment earlier about the extreme couponing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I know a lot of us know about permaculture and function stacking. Uh, to me, that goes along with, you know, the finances and the, the couponing and stuff like, for me personally, if I got to do a project and I'm going to go to Lowe's and spend some money, I'll start out going to Kroger to buy the gift cards to get all the double fuel points. So then later I can get my fuel points and get my, you know, a dollar off a gallon up to 30 or something. And I've actually done the math. I saved 10% for being a veteran at Lowe's. And then it's seven, it's another 12% in uh, gas back, you know, in the fuel. So uh, basically, you know, but if you can, and you know, it's all convenient. It's all on the way there. I, Kroger's on the way. So if you can find those little things, I've been doing it for God, eight years. I probably have gotten eight, nine thousand dollars worth of free gas. So that adds up. You know, you start integrating those little things into your life, and they add up and they make a huge difference that you start to see. So you know, I just want to throw that out there. If you can find those kind of things and you can discipline yourself and make them a habit, those are good habits to have, you know, saving that money. Yeah, I just found out about something near us. It's called Ruby's Pantry, and you it's it's kind of like a CSA. You sign up ahead of time, and you say, okay, here's my $25, and you get a shit ton of food. So, I mean, if you're trying to extend your grocery budget or whatever for 20 I mean, I looked at it, and for some of the ones, it's um, like Wisconsin, Minnesota that does this. I mean, it's like a 10-pound box of ground beef and um like pounds of rice and and just every everything that you could think that might be in like you'd want to pick up at the store but you never know you never know what it's going to be each month that's the downside <laughs> but um if if you're in minnesota wisconsin it's not something that i would overlook um and it's it's not for people who are under the poverty line it's for anybody who just wants to extend their um, their budget. So it, it's something that we're going to start looking into to take a, to add to our uh, our preps now that we're pretty comfortable with where we've got with our food and stuff. Awesome. Awesome. 
Well, that's all we've got for tonight. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us here at the Fireside Freedom Chat. Why don't we go around the circle and everybody say where we can find you? Start with Tim. All right. Yeah. So um, <laughs> there we are. Yes. Uh, thanks, Greg Brady. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> um, toolmantim.co, that's the easiest way. Uh, two or three live streams. I have three episodes of the podcast every week. And actually, in about 20 minutes, if you drop by the YouTube channel, I've got uh, Phil Rabbley from Matter of Facts Podcast. Him and his wife are coming on a live stream. They're going to chat about the incredible adventure they had during Hurricane Ida last year. It's crazy, their story. It blows you away. But anyway, but yeah, that's toolmantim.co and drop by 7 p.m. Mountain Time, Thursdays and Sundays for sure. And then all over the place on Saturdays. Hawkins with uh, Chicken Hawk Farmstead. That's on uh, YouTube, Odyssey. Uh, I think Hawkins J on Miwi and stuff like that. But yeah, you can come by the YouTube and find the links to all the other places. The tour reviews, home setting stuff. As it warms up, it's going to be more and more outdoor stuff. And uh, whatever I find interesting and want to share with everybody. So check it out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm I'm Letty from Liberty All Day. Uh, okay, one second, you know. Uh, I don't even remember my website address right now. So <laughs> just look up Liberty All Day Podcast. I, I know I'm on Spotify and iTunes and I've got a MeWe page and I'm over on float oh, at Letty Lou. And I'm Ken with the Constructive Liberty Podcast. I just got a hat in. So that's awesome. You can find me at constructiveliberty.com. One episode a week. Check it out for sure. Guys, it's been great. Great chat. Y'all have a great night.